Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra. And your host, Father Drew Maybe, As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. So if you were listening to the intro there, you heard that Father David Pelican is no longer with us. He's not gone to the Lord yet. He's just gone to he's Rome. Still, yeah, he's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to work on the streak of, of getting all A's uh, while he gets his doctorate. As we all know, I've mentioned in almost every podcast that Father David got all A's through the seminary and even through uh, homeschooling. So he's going to try to perfect it as he gets his doctorate as That's well. Right. But we have Father Drew here as well. And we did a podcast with him and his brother, the brothers uh, Maybe. Uh, so I encourage you to go out and to um, go back to the previous podcast. I don't know about a year or two years ago. You were kind of uh, yeah, it was it was a while ago. For yeah, now it seems kind of like. early on. So you want to check that out. Get the little get to know Drew a little bit more, Father Drew a little bit more. And uh, yeah, it's great to have you here. What uh, Father Dave brought with smarts, I think Father Drew brings with coolness. Right. <laughs> He's got he's got a cool vibe and and, and health too. You're like CrossFit master as well. Master's a little generous. Yeah, yeah master's a little generous, but I do enjoy it. But I you came in CrossFit. second in the CrossFit games. Right? I did not come no, in second okay. in the CrossFit games. If I was that, if I if I was on the on top of it like that, then yeah, God help us. But no, I did not. But I do enjoy CrossFit, thanks to my brother who kind of wrote me into that a few years ago. Yeah, so, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Don't want to ignore our guest here. We have a wonderful guest uh, here today. He's done so much in the archdiocese and uh, just is, is an amazing man and, and has a lot of wisdom. We have uh, on the show Monsignor Chuck Kosenke. Welcome. Thank you, Father. Great to have you, Both Monsignor. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's really Glad great to, to have you here. here, and we're going to talk a little bit about your vocation story and how uh, you minister in so many different ways, which is awesome because I just... You know, when people say that must be boring sometimes to be a priest, you're doing the same thing all the time. And like, <laughs> no, you are not. <laughs> I can't think of the last time I was bored, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to start off with just like sharing with the grace of like what's been going on in your life? Anything really cool? Well, the uh, the, the summer's been great. Um, we just finished the annual novena to St. Anne's at my church, the Basilica of St. Anne's, Detroit. It's been going on for about 130 years. Uh, wow. So we're keeping the tradition uh, going. Um, it's, it's a nine-day novena is nine days, right? And then the feast itself. So it's really a ten-day, mm. um, you know, uh, event, which can get uh, towards the end can get a little tiring. It was pretty amazing because I went to your parish. Um, I think it was on the Sunday. So that uh, was the fifth day of the novena or yeah. fourth day of the novena. Uh, there were some pilgrims that were walking from Monroe to St. Anne's, and uh, they were walking for vocation, so I just wanted to be there and pray with them. So you had those people who were walking, and then we also had people that were dressed up like uh, in French garb from, mm. from the 1700s. Right, right. So each night honors um, you know, our universal Catholic Church, um, so each night is a different ethnic group or perhaps a racial group. So one night it could be uh, Albania night, hmm. uh, which is, uh, they turn out very well. Chaldean uh, night, uh, Bishop Calabat usually comes. Hmm. Uh, he's a former student of mine, so he's been very faithful about that. Um, and of course the feast itself. But yeah, the Sunday before the feast, it's always um, our French uh, Native American roots. Um, so, so we always have a pig roast, actually. That sounds awesome. Um, and the French bring some desserts and side dishes, and um, so it's great. Um, yeah, they proclaim some of the readings in French as well. Right, so every night is, because it's a different ethnic group, uh, the Mass is bilingual in English and in the language of that group. So uh, one night can be Polish, another night uh, Spanish because they're Latinos, another night... Uh, uh, Chinese this year because of the Asians. Uh, Father Chen uh, celebrated the Mass, uh, who's just you know arrived in the diocese not too long ago. Um, so yeah, be, really becomes in a sense a multi-ethnic <laughs> festival yeah. at the end between the Mass and um, and then the events. People dressed in their ethnic clothes and 
music and dancing afterwards. So it's it's, it's quite That's now. Awesome. You can always set your calendar by either the beginning of novena or the end of novena. It's going to be the hottest days of the year. <laughs> um, so that that uh, sometimes the weather can put a damper on on it sometimes. Sure. And then recently, I I took a, a family to Poland uh, for Ooh, a week. Wow. Uh, Polish American family. The the grandparents who I've known for fifteen years wanted the children and grandchildren to uh, encounter an experience of Polish Catholic roots. Beautiful. Uh, so they asked if I would come along and I celebrated a couple masses with them, prayed with them, uh, went to some of the pilgrim sites with them. Um, so I've been to Poland, that's probably was my eighth time, so it's not like I needed to, to go again, but I know the country yeah, very sure. fairly well. You're Polish, right? That's your background? Yeah. My my dad's family actually came over in the 1880s. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, Gdańsk, which is where they're from, was Danzig. So actually, technically, I'm, I'm Prussian, mm-hmm. which no longer exists anymore. Uh, but since Gdańsk is in Poland, uh, I'm Polish on my dad's side. My mom's parents are from Ireland. Mm. So she's a Clancy, so I'm Irish, you know, uh, on the other half. Nice. I don't always say which half it is, but <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah. So uh, so uh, did you go to Divine Mercy? Or yes. Yasna Gora. Yep. Yasna Gora, Divine Mercy, and the sanctuary of Pope John Paul II, mm-hmm. uh, which I was involved in the beginnings of it a few years ago. It was a project done by Cardinal uh, Jivish, his former secretary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went to visit there. I was hoping to see the Cardinal, but it, it, it didn't work out because we've known one another over the years. Hmm. Um, now, one day we went to uh, both camps of Auschwitz um, uh-huh. and also the salt mine, Vizliki. And at the end of the day, we did 17,316 steps. Wow. Wow. So I wanted to, you know, you have, you should do ten thousand to tell you. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to bank the other seven thousand. Yeah. yeah, please, yeah. Yeah, but they say it don't work that way. So. Yeah. <laughs> now, what were the salt mines? Was that something that the prisoners would have to go, or is that something different? No, no, it's uh, it, the uh, basically the uh, salt miners, um, where they qu- uh, quarried the salt for the for the country, and but. Because they were very devout Catholics, and all this is under communism, they would carve out. They carved out a, a huge chapel, mm. so it's altar statues, mm. and then they would get a, a chaplain or priest to celebrate wow. mass for them, underground, uh, underground, literally underground, literally yeah. underground. And uh, never knew that. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's an incredible tour. Uh, it no longer functions. It's just a tourist site now. Yeah, but sure. for many centuries, it. It functioned, and uh, you know we know Detroit is also built on a salt mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've never been in it though. There's there's never been really tours. Sure, it uh, just recently closed. I mean, yes, it was in right. um, production for a very long time. That's right. That's right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then I was uh, the last part. I was at the international meeting for the Knights of Columbus. Oh, uh, nice. In Orlando, Florida. So. Um, it made 80 degrees here seem cool because it was 103 in Orlando. <laughs> and humid, probably, uh, right? Yeah. And humid. Yeah, oh, it's wow. not the dry heat. Yeah. And uh, so that that was great. Um, I went at the invitation of our Michigan State Knights Council because they were getting an award uh, for their pro-life efforts. Oh, beautiful. Praise and I've God. been helping them with that. Um, so they awesome. said, would you like to come with us and... Because uh, I've never been to that meeting before. Sure, it's a pretty incredible meeting. Seventeen hundred knights from all over the world. Wow! Wow! Um, ran into then. It's a nice thing. It was a nice thing because I saw bishops and priests I haven't seen in a while. But you know that oh, yeah. kind of becomes an occasion where you see people. Sure. Um, one of them, the Archbishop of Louv, Ukraine. Oh wow! Which okay. is Archbishop Mietek uh, Moshiski. He was the deputy secretary of Pope John Paul II. Wow! And uh, so, oftentimes, when he was when I was in Rome, he would uh, finish with the Pope around 9 p.m. Okay. And then I would come up through the back gate um, and go take the elevator up to his apartment, and then we would have like I'd always bring his favorite bourbon, and uh, nice. <laughs> we would. Uh, 
spent a, about two hours just kind like of convincing. It. He doesn't know English, and I really don't. I really don't know no Polish. Or is always our common language is Italian. Okay. Um, and then I was at his when he became uh, Archbishop. Um, I, I went to his ordination. Oh yeah, uh, as well. So. We loosely have kept in contact over the years, and now with the situation in Ukraine, it was an opportunity to, you know, talk to him a little bit about nice. the challenges his diocese, his his church is undergoing. So, sure. um, you know, as it, as funny as a priest, um, you think you you know you go through seminary, you're going to be ordained, of course, and you get assigned to you know St. Joe's or St. Mary's, whatever it is, and uh, but I have met. People from all over the world hmm. um, still keep in contact with some of them, like I just mm-hmm. recently mentioned, and it really has, at least for me, has really been an adventure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Surely sounds like it. I yeah, mean, I've done a lot of stuff. I couldn't imagine, um, you know, uh, for me at least, a, a more exciting life. I've, yeah. It's really been, it's really been a, a ride. I mean, how would you even have had those opportunities if you weren't a priest? Right. right. Okay, exactly. So. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, I was with John Paul twelve times, oh, Pope wow. Benedict twice. I stayed at I've been twice at Santa Marta where Pope Francis lives, mm-hmm. and so it's funny. I'll be going to the dining room and he'll be leaving the dining room, and we're going down the same hall in opposite directions, and you want to be able to say, <laughs> uh, you know, hey, uh, <laughs> hi, uh, how's, it, how's it going? But the protocol is you can't. So we just wave to one another. Um, because if I was to approach him, sure, uh, it, it was kind of surreal to be uh, f- being able to stay at his quote unquote sure. house. Yeah, and he would come into the dining room like anybody else. Right, and um, right. wow, and and then go down the hall and say, "Wow, I'm, I'm, you know, you're, you're that close to the Holy Father, but all you can do is like look at him <laughs> and, wait, and smile, and wave, give him a nod, and, yeah. yeah, give him a nod, and." Yeah. You know, because anything else, you would they would think you were a security risk. Wow, uh, that's crazy. But I, in terms of the Vatican, I've been probably every inch of the Vatican. Wow, except the Pope's you know personal apartment, which yeah. is wow. off limits anyway. So. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 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 amazing. Just an Praise amazing, God. Yeah. amazing adventure. You never know once you say yes, right? Yeah. Um, you know what? Where that yes is going to take you. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, Father Drew, to get to know you a little bit more, like what's going on in your life? What uh, what's been happening? Cool. I, I saw a picture of you on a on a Harley. Do you have a Harley? Is that <laughs> I it? I do not have a Harley. No, it'd be cool if I did. Um, no, I, so I have the privilege of being in Pontiac, so serving with uh, Father Jake Vanash and Jacob Vanash. So we have uh, we're at Saint Damien of Molokai, and most of the parish, or probably, I'd say. 80 or so percent, um, probably more than that, are Hispanic. And so uh, we've been, we're in quinceanera season. Yep. Uh, Monsignor would know that, I think, pretty well. Um, and I was just at a quinceanera. I had the mass uh, maybe around noon on a Saturday two weeks ago and got invited to the barbecue, of course, afterwards. And uh, and I pulled up and I, I got there on the early side of things. And uh, there was a, another couple that was friends to the... Um, to the young lady whose quinceanera it was, who had just arrived. And so it was a, a wife and a husband and their son, probably in his 20s, and they all pull in on Harleys. And I, I used to, for most of my goodness, probably since I was, I got my first dirt bike when I was eight, and I just love motorcycles from whenever I can remember anything, you know? So uh, I've had dirt bikes all the way up until my last year or junior year of college. And so I remember I just, I just greeted them real quick and I was like, oh, you like your Harleys in there. Oh, Padre, you know, you want to go for a ride? And I'm like, yeah, actually, I kind of do, you know. And so he, he gave me a helmet. I suited up and just took off around the neighborhood for about 10 minutes. And it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Wow. It was a lot of fun. So you never know. I mean, the adventure is for me wasn't quite <laughs> the Vatican, but uh, yeah. but it, it is. But still, like, people just don't give their motorcycles to other people to let them ride. That's true, They yeah. purposely make their motorcycles hard to ride so no one else can ride them. Right, yeah. Right. You know, I think, Monsignor, you hit this very beautifully. Like, this is, I think it was John Paul, I could be wrong about that, but he would say, you know, life with Jesus is a, is a great adventure. Right. And, uh, yeah, there's just so many moments, even certainly as a priest, but even as a disciple, where you just, you're called out into these new places, new territories, new relationships with people that you'd never meet. 
uh, had you not said yes to the Lord. And so, you know, here I am in Pontiac, probably a blessing for me has just been kind of uh, diving deeper and trying to uh, habla in Espanol quite a bit more. But I've loved the, the community. It's been a great joy, especially this year, um, just getting to know the parish better and getting to kind of live life uh, with the Hispanic community more has been a real, real, real honor and a privilege. They, they teach you how to be human um, in such a beautiful way and, and offer like a, a, a beautiful experience of knowing God and just the culture that they bring with them um, from Mexico here. It's just been a huge, huge grace and a blessing. I think to, it's really, it's really like inspired me to just see life differently. And it's interesting that the Lord had you do that too, because your father David's uh, classmate, right? And <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. All of your classmates would say that you're the worst at language. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when we went to Mexico to do the Spanish immersion, I think. I progressively got downgraded throughout the summer because they're like, you know, why don't you try this group? This is, you know, you're, you're having a bit of a hard time. So, and by the end of the summer, I think I just had my own table to myself and my own tutor. So the guys all texted me. I was like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm getting assigned to St. Damien and Pontiac. And they're like, that's, that's a lot of Hispanic ministry, isn't it? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you were the worst in the class. And I was like, yeah, I know. I don't know how that happened, but uh, God willed it somehow. That's so, right. Yeah. Like St. Paul says, you know, in his weakness, there's, Amen. Powers, so. Amen. Yeah. yeah. No, it's been very providential. Is uh, one of the one of the brothers from the community was telling me the other day, Padre, it's a, a diocidencia for or for like coincidence, you know, but it's a God coincidence kind of. It's a movement of divine providence. So mm-hmm. and it's it really has been that. I've I've really honored been honored to be able to serve there and really uh, really loving it right now in a very deep way. It's awesome. So, yeah. 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 Good stuff. Yeah. 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 How so, about you, Father? Uh, uh. Yeah, I'm boring. Nothing, nothing amazing happens with me. But um, I was up at Camp Santa Maria uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's um, a camp that, uh, you know, a Catholic camp, of course. They have Mass every single day, and they needed some Masses taken for the weekend. And, I, you know, I went up there, and it just happened to be that the most campers were there in, in a long while to where... Not only some of the locals come, but the parents were coming to pick up some of the kids and more kids were coming where the whole chapel was just completely filled and Mm. just amazing. You know, you preach to them and and you're standing there kind of greeting people. And, you know, most of these are younger kids and to have kids come up to you and be like, thank you for mass or mass was awesome or thank you for the homily or something like that. It means like something's going on here. So they're doing something right over at Camp Santa Maria. I know John David was in the seminary for a while. Um, so he's got a pulse on just being um, sure. close to the Lord and, and, sure. and wanting to bring the kids there as well. So I think that was a pretty good blessing. Praise God. And then vacation next week. So Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, just going up north again and just hanging out, doing nothing special. Nice. Yeah. So Monsignor, why don't, uh, you know, however you want to tell it, tell your uh, vocation story. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I grew up in a, a Catholic family. Uh, and who was very involved in the local Catholic parish, which was St. Raymond's Parish in northeast Detroit, about eight mile Shaner area, hmm. and went to the, uh, St. Raymond's grade school. Um, I'm the oldest of six boys, so we all went through. The youngest did not. My parents had moved to St. Joan of Arcs, but we all went through uh, Catholic grade school and high school. Uh, there was probably when I was in the sixth grade. Uh, I had an experience that was pretty foundational. Um, you know, in, in fifth grade uh, was the year uh, that you became altar servers. Oh, wow. Uh, tradition in the parish. It's not really that way anymore as such, but at that mm-hmm. time it was. And, of course, you, you became an altar server for, for two good reasons. One, it got you out of school with, to do funerals. <laughs> and secondly... Uh, when you served weddings, the couples would give you a few bucks. So those were the two yeah. altruistic reasons to become an yeah. altar servant in fifth grade. <laughs> sure. Um, but in sixth grade, um, beginning of sixth grade, um, the trainer of the altar servers quit. Hmm. Um, and so the pastor, Father Mo Decker, was trying to find a replacement for him and was having lots of trouble. And so finally, after a couple months, you know, I was on the pra- playground with, you know, um, friends and that, and they said to me, um, they were kind of bemoaning that there wasn't any uh, invitation to the fifth graders at that point because there was nobody to train them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
a conversation conversation came up where well Chuck you know what how to serve you know can't can't you show us something well yeah I can show you but that <laughs> I'm 11 years old right I'm you know that you know that has to be with the pastor so they they challenged me to ask the pastor so I was mm-hmm. just okay I'm going to be serving Saturday morning mass with him in a couple of days so uh, after mass I said to the pastor I said can I see you for a few minutes and and he said sure and so I told him I said you know the fifth grade boys were kind of lamenting that they haven't been asked to be servers yet and he was sad and says you know I know I I don't have anybody to train them and and but I'm trying and I says well what would you would you consider you know having me do it and he kind of looked a little surprised and and I must admit it was a very good service so he said huh We'll give it a shot. <laughs> so, long story short, I went back and told the guys, "Okay, we're going to meet after school," hmm. and I did not want them to embarrass me. So they probably went through the, the hardest. It was like <laughs> altar server boot camp. I mean, <laughs> they went yeah. through the hardest because they were not going to embarrass me. Yeah. They had to know everything and like a T. And until I thought they were ready, we you just kept serve. on going. So yeah. finally, when I thought they were ready, I said, "Okay, I think you're ready." So I said to the Pastor. Um, I think they're ready. Hmm. So schedule one night after school for them to come in and for him to quiz them. And I, and I was there to greet them, but I wasn't part of uh, their meeting with him. And uh, so the meeting, it, it finished, and we were about to leave, and he looked at me and says, uh, I need to see you for a minute. So I said, oh, dear. And I said, what did, <laughs> what did they say? What did they do? Did these knuckleheads something? <laughs> and so I said, well, how did they do? He said, actually, they did very well. And I said, oh, I'm kind of relieved to hear that. I said, um, I want you to be a trainer wow. for the servers. Wow. I'm thinking, holy Christmas, I'm only 11 years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so from 6th grade to 12th grade, I was the trainer of the altar service oh, awesome in, our, in our parish. So. In, in seventh grade is when I started thinking about the priesthood. I said, well, you know, I, I get this. I kind of enjoy it. I kind of know it. And and um, so I never thought about beforehand. And uh, so I graduated eighth grade. Um, I went to local Catholic high school, like all, most of us did, which was De La Salle. Mm. Uh, that's when it was located by City Airport, now it's in Warren. Sure. And loved high school, loved, loved high school. Yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it was a great, great time. Uh, but I still kept involved in, in my parish. Uh, I was chairman of the Worship Commission and as a junior in high school mm. and, and then started doing other trainings for the lectors and mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. So um, uh, represent... Well, what made you want to do all of this, to just be involved in that regard? Like, right, I, I just enjoyed doing it. Yeah. I just enjoyed doing it. Huh. And uh, so that it, it brought, you know, it, it just brought happiness. Yeah. That, that satisfaction. Was satisfaction, yeah. there you go. And yeah. uh, so, of course, in high school, you're trying to figure out, you know, uh, what are you going to do after, after high school, right? And uh, but in the meantime, I was involved in our yearbook staff. I was involved in the school plays. You know, I was very involved in high school. And at one point, uh, in junior year, um, the brother, because Dila Sells Christian Brothers, the brother, who was the moderator of the yearbook, because I was in line to be the editor of the yearbook in senior year. You know, they had sort of like a transition. Mm-hmm. You're assistant editor in junior year, then you become you know okay, and. Uh, but he noticed that a couple of times I was like sleeping in class, and believe it or not, that was unusual. <laughs> um, and so he pulled me aside and says, "You know what's going on?" And uh, and so I told him, "You know, I was keeping up with my studies. Um, you know, I tend to be close to a straight A student, so I was keeping up. Maybe not mm-hmm. as good as Father David, but who uh, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. who is?" Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So even the twelve disciples, I mean, they couldn't <laughs> match that. But anyways, um, I was keeping up my schoolwork, and I was keeping up the activity at the high school and wow. activity at the parish. And wow. he finally said, "You got to choose." He says, "You're doing too much." Hmm. So I just dis- he gave me a week to discern it, and and I thought, "What do I want to do?" And uh, so I finally then went back to him and said, you know, I really enjoy what I'm doing at the parish, so mm. 
the guy who was slated to be the assistant editor jumped and became editor, which he was thrilled about. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, is that discernment? Uh, I went on discernment weekends that mm. the vocation office, I think, still does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, so 50 years later, they're still doing it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I went, you know, to test the seminary out um, because my teachers at the high school wanted me to go into a, uh, accounting and business law. Oh, wow. And uh, those there's where I showed some a lot of aptitude and sure. So finally, senior year, the guidance counselor calls all the seniors in because the Catholic schools um, took pride in how many kids, how many students went to college and were accepted. So they really worked on that. So uh, here I am at a Catholic school with the Catholic counselor. I said, "Well, you know, I'm actually discerning, um, you know, priesthood." And he kind of looked at me like, "What?" <laughs> um, and I thought. Why would that surprise him? But I, I graduated from high school in 1977, hmm. actually the same year as Bishop Fisher from UD and Bishop Battersby. And that was the year I was born. Thank you, Father. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Father, for that perspective. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't even was, a glint in his father's eye. I didn't even want to say anything there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still a decade out. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, it must be Monday. So, um,. <laughs> So in any case, but that was a time when a lot of priests and nuns were actually leaving. And mm. so yeah. his concern was, wow, he says, uh, in a sense, he didn't want to discourage me, but it was like, are you really sure about this? Because the 70s was a very unstable time for vocations. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I went back and forth and with the priests at the seminary, priest friends, and it was quite a discernment. Because there's two arguments. One argument was, well, you could give the seminary a year, and mm-hmm. if it's not for you, fine, mm-hmm. move on, because the first two years is general ed anyways. Mm-hmm. Or go and get a degree, mm-hmm. and then after, if you still think you're called, then after you graduate from college, then understand. Both valid approaches. Sure. Um, and I could have went you know, either way, but in my discernment, I decided, well, I'm just going to give the seminary a year and be done with it. Yeah. And then move on. Yeah. Um, to West at that time, Western Michigan, because they were the place to go for accounting and business law. Sure. So I gave the seminary a year. It it was a little bit of a transition adjustment seminary life, uh, but not bad. And then the first year was okay. Then went on the second year, and then the th- you know the third year, and all of a sudden I'm a senior at Sacred Heart Seminary, and it's like, whoa, that went fast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And wow. So it was a big discernment because the next step was to go into theology and thought, whoa, mm-hmm. that's really... So I uh, went through that discernment and then entered at that time, it was St. John's Seminary in Plymouth. Um, and about halfway through there, it, my theology training, I had um, doubts um, whether if I really called the priesthood uh, or called to you know, family life. Sure, Again, sure. both great vocations in the church, right? Sure, sure. And uh, so I really went through a lot of soul ch- searching at that point to say, you know, what. And at that point it was 50-50. Yeah. And by the end of that year discernment, it, everything was pointing towards, sure. uh, so pointing towards priesthood. But that's really interesting to think, and I think a lot of guys get into that habit of like, I need to know before I go in if I'm like 99% sure no. that I'm going to be a priest. And to be 50-50 after four years in the seminary is, I don't, I mean, that's a, a good number in a sense. I mean, you're open to the possibilities, but in theology is when the church is really looking at you as a candidate. Right. You know, and saying, we believe this guy probably right. has a vocation, so we want him to continue on. Right. But if we want to just back up a little bit. So when you first felt or heard the call, was that when you were in sixth grade and you started training the servers, or was that just something that... It this- came in seventh grade. So it didn't okay. come right away with the sixth, but it, it did come, it came in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And so there, even after, in eighth grade... There's a lot of high school seminaries at the time. Hmm. Um, well, Sacred Heart was a high school seminary. Yeah, but point. it had closed by then. By then, okay. Um, but the Pine Fathers and and some other religious missionaries groups, and missionaries had yeah. high school seminaries. So I did uh, the Capuchins. Um, I became uh, the chaplain at Delisa High School at the time was a Capuchin. So nice. I explored the Capuchins because I had you know 
a concern or love for the poor, and I thought that would be, mm. you know, the way to go. So it wasn't even clearly diocesan mm-hmm. at, at first. Um, but uh, I'm glad I, I went into the local, uh, I went to De La Salle. It's a great Catholic school, still is. And it allowed for me to really explore, um, you know, lots of different different things. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't regret that at all. Yeah. What, what, what was it about you that the fifth graders came to you and asked you to train them? Uh, you know, I, I, honestly, I don't, that's a great question, but I honestly don't know that answer. Okay. Um, I guess I was always in grade school, all the way, you know, forward, always considered a, a leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that may have been uh, why, or um, uh, at some level, I think it was providential in the sense of how God works through your through mm-hmm. your life and how you respond to invitations and occasions, mm-hmm. and um, and you never know exactly what prompts it, right? Yeah. Um, but the opportunity presents itself, and, and you, you can say yes or no. Yeah. And when you, uh, but when you say yes, it op- it really opens, yeah. you know, a path. What if you would have said, "Yeah, no, I'm going to play baseball after school. I'm I'm not messing around with that. I don't need to train you." Where would you be today? You don't. You don't know. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, if if God really wanted me, and He can be tenacious, but if God, mm-hmm. you know, it, it would have been another way, right? If if it was, sure. uh, but it just happened, you know, at a, a actually a very young age. I mean, yeah. I, I know there's priests who say I want to be a priest since I was in the second grade, and when I made my first communion, I, that was not me. I, that mm-hmm. was not the case. Yeah, that wasn't me either. Not um, me either. Yeah. So. Um, but started thinking about it in seventh grade, and uh, it was one of those things that's just, just in the back of your mind, and then mm-hmm. you're, you're thinking about and and. Um, so what happened on the discernment weekend that made you think, okay, I wanna, I wanna go into seminary. I wanna apply. Was was that a kind of pivotal moment? What made you apply to the seminary? I, I, I think th- uh, two things really. I, I think. The, the the discernment weekends gave me um, what a, com- a comfortability about seminary life. Like I I knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just being being dropped after off at the door. You know, with the car going five miles an hour. <laughs> um, so the seminary became a familiar place mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me, which which was how I got to meet some of the seminarians and and you know some of them were. Uh, that I clicked with were were great guys, and here are guys who are discerning the same thing I I am, uh, which is not only the case. Sometimes you feel you have these thoughts and feelings about being a priest, and you think you're the only one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you like, you know, is, is this for real, or am I weird, or you know, what's what's going on? But being exposed to seminarians. Who were exploring, right? Because that's what you do in the seminary, exploring that vocation. Um, let me say, well, you know, uh, that mm-hmm. kind of gave me the uh, what comfortability. I don't know if that's the best word, but mm-hmm. you know, to, to come and try that, try it out. And, and again, I went in with the second thing is I went in thinking I'll just going to give it sure a, a quick try, a, a shot. You know, I wasn't. I didn't enter seminary thinking I would actually. It's, be eventually a priest. I just right. went and saying, you know, there's something here that I got to uh, explore that I have to pay attention to, and the seminary seemed to be the place to do that. Mm-hmm. And if it, if it wasn't for me, I was fine with that because mm-hmm. um, I knew what my other option was, I guess, mm-hmm. my other direction. Now, the, the irony is that when I look back, um, you know, I've been a priest 37 years. Praise God. And when I look back, I have used my accounting and business skills throughout my priesthood. Mm-hmm. I mean, or God has used them for his purposes, his church, because every assignment that I've been given is was going into a place that, let's just say, was needed attention, mm-hmm. <laughs> was mm-hmm. not in good shape. Mm-hmm. And 
So I'd be there whether it's two years, three years, four years, whatever time it took. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a business mind about you. Yeah, that's yeah. well. That's what was recognized in high school. So when, when I came to your parish, like one of the things that people showed me was like, come and take a look at our vending machine. <laughs> you want to tell us about your vending machine? All the <laughs> well. <laughs> Father, father's referring to actually our our candle machine, <laughs> and the candle machine is using uh, pop can technology. And it's worded well. So when I got to the parish, uh, the suburban parishes that I I was at, um, they didn't really sell candles per, per se in in mass, but this. But St. Anne's had, you know, it was one of those places where people came and they wanted to buy candles. And a lot of times it was, you know, someone in the back of church with a box of candles and, you know, an envelope with with cash, you know, (laughs) and there's this, like, transaction. And I bought this candle machine. I like this. And... It's a fancy one, too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) it just doesn't fall down. It goes up and grabs it, so it doesn't oh, yeah. break and everything. Yeah, it looks like you know when you go to a, a drive-in uh, bank where you put the your stuff in, in this little uh, capsule. Ca- capsule, yeah. yeah thank yeah. you. And goes all the way and then comes back. Yeah. So it, this capsule comes out, grabs a candle, and then puts it and and puts it down. Our our sales um, increased thirty percent. Oh, wow. In the first year. Wow. It's just ingenuity. Like, yeah. this is convenient. Yeah. Look at how convenient it is. And, yeah, like, you right. can buy it with your phone, right? Like, it's got Apple Pay and everything on it and everything. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. Yeah. That's your business mind about you, God, using that. So <laughs> just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I want to bring that yeah, up. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it w- people are not used to seeing that in the church. So <laughs> when they come to the church or get a tour of the church, they're like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> it's where you buy your candles. It's where you buy your candles. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. But it's a beautiful way because there is a, I'm sure there's actually a desire to have a candle in, in the, somebody's yes. home and, and burn it during their personal prayer. And so it's a nice way to say, like, you don't have to just wait on an office to open, excuse me, to open or to kind of go find the right person who's in charge of that. You can just simply kind of receive your candle. You can buy one after mass, take it home with you. And it's 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 kind of a, a reverent way to have a transaction, if I seem, seem to think. so. Yeah, it's worked out very well. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so God certainly has used your business sense in, in all the different positions that you had. Yeah, I've done six grade schools, four high schools, uh, two seminaries. Um, wow. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really coming. I, I think you're beating Father David when it comes to being an overachiever. I, I think, well, he's young. Yeah. He has some time. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense of it, just even you in grade school and the stuff that you did. Like, yeah, of course you're going to continue to do all the different stuff. Right. But I cut you off. No, no, I was just going to say, it, it, stri- it strikes me as Father Craig's talking about just how the Lord's used kind of your, even your human giftings. As you talked about, and you're just all the way back at the beginning when the guys in the playground kind of saw this in you, and then you you kind of, you know, cooperating with divine providence, you might say, or even just a little bit of grace, presented it to the pastor at the time, and it's it's just one kind of movement of God after another. And it wasn't it wasn't like you were, you know, doing rocket science to try to hear this very, very clear call. And it seems like in some ways you were just kind of, you had a heart that was open to the Lord Jesus, and you just felt him kind of like move you one more step forward, and you just kept following. Right, which has been good. I also want to share that no matter what gifts or talents you have, sure. no matter how smart you are or you think you are. Um, <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> at, at the end of the day, your success, if you want to use that word, uh, or effectiveness may be better, is really going to be based on what God does through you. Mm. And uh, a couple examples of that for me. Uh Shortly after ordination, I did go to Rome for graduate studies to get my doctorate in biblical studies to come back to teach at the seminary, um, primarily New Testament courses. And I've always been... I didn't know you had a doctorate. Yes, yeah. Okay. I was, uh, so I went, I was ordained at 26 and 28, went to Rome and 32, had my doctorate. Wow. That's Father David. I mean, it's a (laughs) very image of Father David. (laughs) 
Maybe he's, he, maybe he's my successor. Or, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. It could be. You're listening, Father David. Yeah. 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 But uh, so I was always, a, you know, a good student. Um, but it, it, the doctoral uh, level is is like nothing else mm. because you have to come up come up with an original thesis and you have to, you know. So my f- first year of uh, the doctoral year, um, I was doing it in the area of uh, the Acts of Apostles, mm. uh, and one of my teachers, uh, world renowned in terms of Luke Acts. Uh, was my mentor director, and for months I read everything in on Acts of Apostles in several mm-hmm. languages. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, look, always looking for that, you know, that spark, that insight. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. And so I started that in October. By went home for Christmas, and you know, nothing yet. But okay, came back from Christmas, and then it was getting to be about. You know, February or so, and nothing, mm. nothing. Mm. And here I'm going to have to come home and give an accountability of my first year, and, and I, I don't have much. So my doctor, doctor director said, well, why don't you, uh, for the month of February, read Luke Acts in, over and over again in the Greek? Mm. So I said, okay, fine. Because maybe something, mm-hmm. you know, I think his hope was as a result that that would spark something. And uh, it didn't. <laughs> so uh, so here I am in March, getting closer to Easter, and uh, I, I was at the lowest of the low. Mm. And not many people know this. Mm. Uh, so this podcast doesn't go beyond this room, right? right. Yeah, there's exactly. we got a couple listeners. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so what I did, I said, okay, that's it. I surrender. So for a full week... I went to the chapel. This is at the Casa Santa Maria, the graduate house, and I did nothing for the from Monday through Friday, mm. but pray before the Blessed Sacrament mm. and asking God if you want this to happen, you know, you got to show me. If not, I'm fine. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so, except for meals and you know sleep and re- you know basic stuff, that's what I did for five days. Wow. And then I remember on Friday, I was coming back to my room for lunch, and it's like, you know, here we go. You know, it's at the end of the week, nothing. And sure. so I just, before I went down to eat, I just, uh, you know, started looking over my notes. And then all of a sudden, there was like a flash of fire. Hmm. And words started, you know, I started looking at my notes, and things were like coming together. It's like, oh my God, it's, I don't understand. It's coming together. And the more I, I read over my mm. these notes that I've read over before, mm-hmm. it all started to come come together into a thesis statement mm. on the resurrection of Jesus mm. in in Luke Acts. And I thought, wow, I wonder if there's something here. Well, the the world expert on theology of resurrection in the Catholic world was across the street hmm. at the Gregorian University. That's convenient. Yeah, exactly <laughs> at the Gregorian University. Nice guy from Australia, Father Jerry O'Collins, wrote scores of books on it. So I look at it and say, well, he should still be in his office. So I literally ran wow. to his office, and he was still in his, you know, I knocked and uh, he uh, pushed the buzz- buzzer to say that, you know, you can come in. And I came in and he said, oh, you know, hi, how are you? I said, well, I don't know. He said, what? (laughs) And he was just finishing as dean of theology at the university. So I sat down with him. I told him what happened. And he said, well, let's talk more about that. So so after 15, 20 minutes, he said, well, you know what? I I think you got something there. Now, for him to say that, it's like, okay, that's encouraging. And then finally I said, well, if you think it's so – this was kind of a bold thing, right? If you think it's so good, why don't you be my director? He was like, uh, don't you have Father so-and-so? I said, yeah, but I'll talk to him. We'll work it out. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> there was another Jesuit, so they're part of the same community. So I said, no, I'll, I'll work it out. And he says, well, I'm finishing my role as dean, uh, and I'm willing to take on doctoral students again. He says, okay, I'll do it. Hmm. By the time I went home for the summer, I already had – my thesis approved, the outline approved, and the first chapter written. 
That's wow. awesome. Like in literally two months. Wow. And then the following year, I finished it and defended and came home to be full-time at um, at the seminary to do formation and uh, uh, teaching. That's amazing. So... And that that was all kind of born out of that week of just oh, yeah. parking yourself in front of Jesus. Oh, yeah. And a second time um, is that when I was, Cardinal Moida called me, and uh, I was just finished putting Bishop Foley High School back on track. I'd been at Garden Angels Parish in the high school mm-hmm. for three years, and I could finally just sort of like, okay, things are where they, it took three years, but there were, everything's in, you know, they're fine. They're, because they were not in good shape at the time. But finally, everything is going, so can I can kind of, you know, breathe, you know, a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, August 8th, uh, I'm at the Catholic Biblical Meeting. It's the annual meeting of all the international biblical scholars oh, sure. and professors. So I was there every year. In fact, I'm still on their finance council, <laughs> surprisingly. <laughs> and um, but I get this call from... Cardinal Moida, and uh, and he says, um, "Sit down. I want to talk to you." And I'm like, um, "Well, I, I'm actually on my way to." <laughs> he says, "It's okay. It won't take long." So he started talking about Orchard Lake, hmm. and I knew about Orchard Lake, not much, but I knew about Orchard Lake. Um, and long story short, the the seminary program collapsed. Mm. And the campus was the campus itself was heading towards bankruptcy, mm. and he so he's describing all this. I'm thinking, what does this have to do with me? <laughs> and so I said, so I kind of at the end I said, well, what do you? How do you want me to help? He says, well, you're the new rector of the seminary, and you're going to be treasurer of the campus, and you start in two weeks. <laughs> I said, what? Yeah, two weeks. I said, I have this. Grades going to high school enough to get around. He's, he's well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the seminarians arrive in uh, August twenty third, and you got to be there wow. when they arrive. Wow. So I was doing the parish with the grade school, the high school, and starting to prepare for the seminary year. Wow, for for the students, but because the seminary program and its staff fell apart, those who were on the formation team went back to Poland. Mm. And so when I arrived, I had no staff. Mm. Well, I should say that's not true. I had like two or three staff. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh. And so I got to find priests who are qualified, Mm. who are bilingual in Polish and English, and will be released by their bishops to serve at the seminary. Right. In three weeks. Right. Sure. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> so, but God worked it out. Well, I went to the chapel of the seminary there, mm. and for same playbook for the full week. That's all I did, and then after that, about a week after that, I started getting phone call. Hey, I hear you're looking for a, you know, a, a dean of students and a professor in liturgy, and here I'm. I started the next two months getting all these phone calls saying. Wow. Hey, uh, I, I'll be interested, you know. And by the end of the first year, uh, beginning the second year, I had a full, full faculty information. Amazing! Team. Wow, it's amazing. And so, those two examples are probably the most powerful over the years for me. There's other smaller ones, of course. Well, especially for the second one too. I mean, that just that's divine providence there that didn't have anything to do with you except you trusting in the Lord. Exactly. And that's the point I wanted to make, that no matter, you know, what gifts you have, um, what skills and and how smart you are, and and God will use that, but God sometimes may remind you that you're also limited. Mm. And you, you come to those points where the only reason stuff came together or happened is is God. There's no other explanation. Mm-hmm. No other explanation. Right. Well, we are the lad in, in the Gospels, right? We got the five loaves and two fishes. Yeah, yeah. But what is it among so many right. things? What is it to an empty seminary? What is it yeah. to a failing high school? Like, God will make it work. And it's kind of striking, too, how, you know, everything, you're very, like, even all the way back to the beginning, your vo- the beginnings of your vocation, 
there was a bigger plan that was unfolding that you were kind of caught up in that was came from the very heart of God, that he had a call on your life to be about being a response, to make a response to him and being, a, being his priest. And now this plan unfolds all throughout the years, takes you to places you don't expect to go, and it's bigger than you, but you're just caught up into it, and you're simply just kind of saying yes all the way through. Yeah. Um, so it's just, yeah, I mean, even, you know, as you mentioned, you know, how things kind of uh, unfolded with your thesis, how things unfolded in, in these kind of what looks like in the face of impossible circumstances, God already has something lined up in his heart, and it's just more or less you just kind of cooperating or saying yes to it in some sense. Right, and so I, that, that's, it's a constant reminder to me. Hmm. Um, when I look back on 37 years, I, as Father mentioned, I, uh, I've done a lot, mm-hmm. um, accomplished a lot, and, you know, in the, in, the, in the words of Thomas Aquinas at the end of his life, it's all rubbish, right, mm. because what's really important is 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 God working through you for His kingdom and for His purposes, um, and it's bigger. You, in a sense, you're right. Yeah, it's bigger than you are. Mm-hmm. It's not about you, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was in a marriage encounter. I got involved in as a new to your dame priest. Yeah, why don't you explain some of the things that you've done? Because I, I think it's fascinating. You're involved in a little bit of everything. Yeah, so Marriage Encounter, which is a, is a great move to help couples to strengthen their marriage. Um, I got involved with them through the insistence of parishioners during my diaconate internship. And then as a result, started presenting the weekends and then became the Detroit leader, then Midwest United States, and then the U.S. leader, mm. which also put me on the World Council. So for a couple of years, uh, three years, three and a half years, I was all over the world wow. with marriage encounter. Wow. When I came back from Rome, um, there was a, an IHM nun who was very revered, Sister Claudia Carlin, uh, one of the first nuns to get a graduate degree. Um, and she was v- revered among Catholic librarians, revered. And so when I was even at St. John's Seminary, which she would notice my interest in research and, hmm. and that kind of took me under her wing, but her and Monsignor Canfield founded the Friends, American Friends of the Vatican Library back in 81, and I came back in 92 from Rome, and they wanted younger blood, if you will, so they asked me to be on their board, and then in 97, I became president of the Friends, Wow. Um, and its purpose was to raise money in the United States for special projects for the Vatican Library in Rome. Mm. So then every year, I would go to Rome to meet with the administration of the library to see what their needs and projects were and then come back and raise the funds for that project. And I did that all the way up until 2016 wow. when we when it merged into the Sanctuary of Catholic Culture. Um, mm-hmm. So it no longer exists, but that took me to Rome every year. Those would be some of the main main ones. And then chaplain to to a couple groups, including young Catholic professionals for two years, mm-hmm. which was a grace. Made me feel younger. Legatus. Uh, what's that? Legatus. And Legatus. I'm chap- I've been chaplain of Legatus now since October tw- 2005. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, so that's that's another area. And then um, was asked uh, after I did some cleanup at St. Regis, I redid the church and built the chapel and got the school to full enrollment, ready to go for phase two, uh, which I think the new pastor is going to do uh, when he after he gets settled. But then I, I got a call that, um, and this has happened throughout my priesthood, um, the call the archbishop wants to see you, and it's like, oh no, what is it now? <laughs> and uh, so I'm driving down the lodge saying the sorrowful mysteries because it was on Wednesday, and just asking Our Lady to help me accept whatever he, he wanted. And that's when uh, Archbishop Vigneron uh, asked me to go to St. Anne's oh, well. and uh, Most Holy Trinity in Corktown. When he was telling me why he wanted me to go and what his vision for St. Anne's was and all that, uh, while he's speaking, I'm thinking, oh, I don't, I don't want to leave. I got other plans. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to do this. And so he stopped, and I... He says, well, what do you think? And so then I started giving reasons why I shouldn't move. <laughs> you know, it just finishes, and yeah. I'm on the phase two, and on and on. And then finally he said, he says, look, Chuck, he says, 
I've prayed about this for three weeks. Mm. And every time I prayed about it, your name came up. So the only thing I can do is off, you know, offer it and say this is what I think you know you should do, but it's up to you to say yes or no. And I thought, oh, great, the God card. <laughs> um, and because, you know, we do believe God works through, you know, your bishop. Mm-hmm. Bishop's not perfect. Um, and that is not always right, okay. But God does work through the chief shepherd. And so, and I knew Archbishop Vigneron, who I worked with, with him eight years at the seminary as his administrative aide. So know him extremely well, and I know him to be a very prayerful man. So when he said he prayed about this and this came up, I mean, uh, I could say no to him. I can't say no to God because on my ordination day, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do, whatever it is. Hmm. And uh, so he, when he said that, I said, well, I guess I have no choice. I said, the answer is yes. And he kind of looked at me like, what? Because <laughs> uh, he's used to not always getting that answer. And uh, so I said, you know, and he said, then he got all excited. So oh, this is going to be great, and blah blah blah. And you know, that's you know, went to, the place was Saint Holy Trinity was fine, but Saint Anne's was dying. Mm. Um, so trying to get those two places really stabilized, and then after getting them stabilized, to start you know, then the process mm. to become a basilica, which was a two-year process, and then to raise the uh, the thirty million to restore Saint Anne's. Mm. And then there's a school there too. The school there's a school at Holy Trinity. Yeah. It's one of the four city Catholic schools, mm. um, and so it's. And I've been there seven years now. And has it been seven years already? Yeah, uh, I, I sometimes like I, I just some days it's like I, I just arrive. In other days, is, isn't it longer? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And on top of all of that, you're Episcopal vicar as well. So, so. I was involved in in the creation of the family of parishes. I was chair of the mission direct committee. Uh, which came up with, you know, the areas, the areas in parish ministry that reflect a vibrant parish, mm. like discipleship formation, uh, evangelical charity, worship, family ministry, um, evangelization. And then became the moderator of Southwest Detroit. And then Bishop Hanchen um, turned 75, and then the Pope accepted his retirement because that's the age. On March 3rd, and on March 7th, I got a call from Bishop <laughs> Vigneron saying, I said, okay, now what? And he says, I would like you to be the Episcopal Vicar for the Central Region, uh, which means you have all the responsibility and authority of a bishop without being one, <laughs> <laughs> which can have its advantages. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, I've been doing that since uh, – that's been that's actually been a, a, a very – uh, it's, it's been a grace, but it's also because it's, half my time is in meetings, okay? So I'm doing part of my purgatory there. And then the other part is just going into priests that are struggling or parishes that are struggling, um, you know, and just trying to come up with options and that. And that's really been putting my yeah. skills and experience of the last yeah. 37 years yeah. and... Um, you know, walk away with, but you know, for the last what five months, around five months, going into all these various situations, and they're time consuming. But sitting down and then walk away, saying, "Wow, this is great. We have a solution." And yeah. so it's been it's been uh, enjoyable being part of. I'm sort of a type of you know fix it person. So when something is broken, it's fixed. I there is some satisfaction. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah but. Uh, yeah, that certainly has been been more of my time. I'm I'm sort of now more of a part time pastor, because that other half is yeah. is part time. But I have a great associate. Uh, I mean, Father Ryan Adams is leaving for missionary work in Jamaica, and Father John Herman is the new associate, who's fabulous. So uh, very fortunate, yeah, very yeah. blessed. That's awesome. You know, like as I'm just listening to everything that you're saying here. Um, I think the willingness that you had to just be open to what God wants you to do and the opportunities that came before you, you could have said no to so many different things and mm-hmm. said, this is what I envisioned for my priesthood. Right. 
but you said, no, I can't say no to God. This is what God wants me to use for the priesthood. And I think this is where guys can get stuck a little bit. And maybe even thinking about what religious order or if a diocesan or the type of religious order. They think, they're like, I want my priesthood to look like this. Mm. That's fine if God wants your priesthood to look like that as well. And I think just anybody listening to this, kind of take a step back and sit in a chapel for five days <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and yeah. ask yeah. the yeah. Lord, yeah. like, hey, like, what is it that you want? And help me to be, help me get to a point where I can say yes to the opportunity that's that's before me. It might not necessarily be my first choice, but when I get into it and do it and use my gifts, well, then, you know, good things are going to happen. Right. I, th- I think, you know, the heart of the spiritual life is a, is the struggle between my will and God's will, right? And I it seems maybe today it's a little bit more challenging to look upon, uh, for folks to look upon, you know, it's not about me, um, and to realize that if you say yes to God's will, even though initially it's not your preference, you will, one, you'd be on a fabulous adventure you never thought you'd experience. And also, when you do God's will, ultimately it will be the source of your greatest happiness. Yeah. Because if it's not God's will, you know, this is somewhat Ignatian discernment, but if it's not God's will, then you're just going to be unhappy and frustrated and frustrated and miserable and, and that but it, it, bitter yeah bitter yeah and, and so you really have it, it, at the end of the day my advice is it's, it's not about you it's not what you want which is contrary to our culture but it's what if you if you say that yes as mary did uh to gabriel like not knowing what the consequences of that yes that fiat was um but if you do that, and she's a great model for that, if yeah. you do that, then the doors that open, the things you experience, the people you meet, I mean, it's just amazing. Abs- yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I want to just ask you one more question here. and just We're going to rewind all the way back to now you're going into theology. Ah. When was the point where you said, I know God is calling me to this? And what happened at that point? It was um, at this point probably no, no surprise. There was no, you know, no no parting of the clouds. Um, it was really in the chapel for me. It was in the chapel before the Blessed Sacrament hmm. um, was, and then finally I reached a point where, um, as a result, I kind of had that that sense of that peace, that sense of, you know, uh, where you get when. When you when you're heading in the right direction, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there was no particular. Someone didn't say anything. There was no particular event per se. For me, it was uh, a result of a lot of uh, quiet conversations with the Lord. With the Lord. And then when you walked out of the chapel, someone was like, "We need a class president. Will you be?" The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Very good, Father. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> well, what, awesome. what would you suggest to a, a young man or even an older man who's listening right now to, to they're starting their discernment and they really just want to know what to do next? What would be, what would be your advice to them? Well, my advice would be, um, you know, first of all, to, to take the, the first step, I think, is to take the time to spend at least one hour a week before the Blessed Sacrament. A lot of our parishes at this point, which was different than it was 40 years, 50 years ago, but a lot of parishes today, praise God, have uh, adoration chapels. AOD.org Adoration Finder. Yes, very good, Father. (laughs) (laughs) And so my, my is, and maybe I'm, again, I'm reflecting my experience, um, which is limited, but is to, to spend to sign up in your parish or nearby parish, wherever it is, uh, one hour, just one hour a week, just one hour, one hour a week, and and uh, quietly place yourself there and just, God, what do you want me to do? And you're not going to hear the voice from the clouds or anything right away, but after a while, things will begin to happen. Mm-hmm. Either somebody will say something to you or, or thoughts or an experience, uh, you know, God never fails. So if you commit yourself to that, to me, that's the first step. 
And then in the midst of that is if uh, being a parish priest attracts you, well, then obviously, you know, going on the seminary discernment weekend uh, like I did many years ago uh, to kind of explore what that's all about. Uh, if you're, you know, it could be religious order. You could be someone who has a heart for the poor. That may be the Franciscans and Capuchins. You may be someone who wants to, who has a gift for teaching. That may be the Jesuits. Um, you know, so whatever, you know, if it's religious order, it's kind of looking at, you know, what their charism is, right? Mm-hmm. And if their charism matches what, you know, um, what I feel God is calling me to do. Because uh, like I said, I, at one point, I, I easily could have been a Capuchin. Um, and I, I still have good relationships with them and, and respect their work. Um, but it's, there's no one avenue. I mean, some some are called to be diocese priests. Some are called to be uh, religious order priests. Some are called even, you know, to be missionaries, which is, uh, to me, that's very challenging. But for others, that's very, that's a whole different type of adventure um, mm. to become a missionary mm. in some other country like Jamaica or uh, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's great. I mean, your story's fascinating, and I'm sure we could talk for hours with the many things that you have done, uh, but it was interesting just to hear a little bit of, of what you've been doing and how yeah. God has led you through these last 37 years as a priest and how God worked on you even as a, you know, a grade schooler uh, teaching other kids how to <laughs> serve. I mean, I think that's cool. That's, that, that rocks. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Father. But again, in the inspiration of Thomas Aquinas, that... We could probably spend another hour on things that I've done and accomplished, but it, it, at the end, it really doesn't matter. Um, what matters is, you know, what um, saying yes to God and being open to Him using you um, for the sake of His kingdom. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's that's it. Thy kingdom come, your will be done. Exactly. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. This is wonderful. Oh, no, it's great. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you, Monsignor. Father Drew. Thanks you. To coming on to the team. Yeah, it's an honor. Yeah, great. Great cool. privilege to be listening to your story, too. It's a it's a real gift. Yeah. Cooling yeah. it up here, and uh, <laughs> maybe we can get some pictures uh, on the website of you, like, doing backflips on your motorbike or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't have any of those. Yeah. I don't have Let's any Let's see of if those. I can pull some retro picture out. No backflips. Yeah. I didn't do any backflips. Did you yeah. have, like, one of those, like, big hats with the big monster logo on the, on the top? You mean a helmet? Not a helmet, <laughs> no. Just, like, the hats. And oh, the hats. So, yeah. Yeah, I didn't... Uh, I, I had some moto hats in the day. We can get to that for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is great. Well, thank you again, Monsignor, for You're being welcome. out. Why don't you lead us out in a prayer? Absolutely. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, we praise you and bless you, and we give you thanks for, you know, uh, calling us into service, whatever that service may be, uh, for the sake of your church, for the sake of your kingdom. We pray especially for those who may be discerning a vocation, trying to figure out. Uh, your will for them, be with them. Uh, may your spirit guide them. Uh, for those priests and religious that, you know, maybe may be struggling in any way to, to kind of help them, um, you know, through your strength and your wisdom. And we pray that all that we do may be done for the glory of your name. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me every month, Father Craig Guerra. And me, Father Drew Maybe, As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcast and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. <laughs>